Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. Glad you're here. And we are working on a message called Friends. It's out of John chapter 15. And as I have shared with you every time, if, uh, if they ever come to take our Bibles and we can't manage to keep them, I'm going to beg off on the, on the book of John. And if they won't give me the whole book of John, I'm going to beg the chapter 15 because it is chock full of good stuff about the Lord. So John chapter 15, verse 12 through 17 is where we're at. And this is what Jesus said. This is my commandment. Love each other. How? In the same way that I have loved you. Goes on verse 13. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In other words, if you're putting your life on the line for somebody else, no greater love. You are my friends if you do what I command. So is the inverse true? Sometimes the Bible gains clarity when we make the statement, the inverse, you're not, my friends, if you don't do what I say, okay? And he says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. In other words, and and you may be saying, well, I don't have any slaves. That doesn't apply to me, but it's the same thing. We're all slaves in some sense of things. We talked about this as we were finishing up Ephesians on our midweek study, Uh, Used to, in the old days, slaves were people who, some of them had been captured in, in times of war. Some of them were poor people that had been born into poverty, poor people. And basically, they would indenture themselves, sell themselves into slavery in order to learn a trade, in order to gain some, some financial stability and that kind of thing. So, in the sense of it, if we work for somebody, we're a slave, okay? Because how many of you work for somebody and they don't care if you ever show up? I'm looking really hard because I want to work for the same person. Uh, <laughs> if we work for somebody, we're a slave. We've got to be there, got to be there on time, all that kind of stuff. So he says, I no longer call you slaves. So when we work for the kingdom, we could, be, we could look at it that way. But he says, because I'm telling you what's going on, now you're my friend since I've told you everything the Father told me. And if you work for somebody, they don't call you up and say, hey, what do you think I ought to do about this situation? Not going to happen. If you're a co-owner or a stock owner, maybe. But ultimately, if we're working for somebody, they're not going to consult us. But Jesus said, I wrote you this little love letter right here, and I'm telling you everything the Father's told me. So that means that you're no longer slaves, but you're friends. Because that's what friends do. They talk to one another, tell one another everything. So he goes on and he says, "I'm, I'm not calling you slaves anymore. You're my friends. Because I've told you everything that the Father has told me. The only thing that Jesus didn't tell us is what day and hour that his Father was going to say, let's, let's take care of business and get this thing going toward the end. And he, if he had of, I think he would have told us. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. If you need something to ponder on, underline that in your Bible and think about it this week. Sometimes we think, I made a decision for the Lord. And, I, you know, all of us kind of refer to it as that. We heard the gospel. We heard the good news. 
logically it makes sense to me. I felt that tug on my heart. I made a decision, yes, I'm going to follow the Lord, but ultimately he chose us a long time ago. Because he says that he knows whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. <laughs> it blows your mind. He already knew it. He chose us. We didn't choose him. He, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. That's a whole lot of what John chapter 15 is all about. He said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. No, no branch can bring forth fruit on its own unless it's attached to the vine. So he says, my job, my, my goal in you is that you bring forth lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. And this is my commandment, love each other. Let's pray over the word and then we'll get into the message. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that you have shared with us. Thank you for calling us no longer slaves, but calling us your friends. And Lord, I don't take that lightly. That's that tender affection, as we've talked about many times. That word love there is that friendship kind of love. It's agape love. It's, it's all of it rolled into one. But Lord, the thing is, Lord, it's, it's, uh, it's reciprocal. We love you, but you loved us first. We chose you, but you chose us first. And we thank you for, for looking through the hallways of time and seeing down those hallways and looking at us and saying, I love them. As Paul says, even while we were yet sinners, you loved us. And Lord, I, sometimes when I think about that, I'm so humbled, so just, uh, uh, just uh, brokenhearted to think about the things that I've done that has, have displeased you. And so, Lord, would you just touch us and, Lord, remind us that we're not your slaves, we're your friends. And, Lord, you have got a work for us to do. Just keep reminding us of that. Use the Holy Spirit to just give us that unction to move at the right time, to say the right thing at the right time at the right place. And, Lord, we're going to do our very best to do that. And we thank you in advance for the great things you're going to do. And we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So we have been working our way through this sermon it's an acrostic. If you, uh, this is your first time to be in on it, you can go catch up on Facebook. Uh, or you can subscribe. I always neglect to tell you this. You can subscribe. We do have it on podcast. So if you've got a, a podcatcher on your phone, you can go and subscribe to FWC Beaumont. And you'll get that weekly. Uh, Zach usually gets them online about Wednesday. And uh, I appreciate him doing that. So you can go catch up. We're a few weeks. We always, we always run a few weeks behind because it takes him a little while to edit them. But uh, you can go catch up on those, uh, either one of those ways. But we are working on an acrostic called Friends. So if you are here and you've got notes you want to take, you can uh, letter down the side of your page there, F-R-I-E-N-D-S. And that's what we're working through. So we've already gone through. We've got to focus on what's really important. That's number one. In other words, keep the major thing the major thing. Uh, sometimes we in church world tend to major in the minors, and we don't need to do that. We need to major in the majors. Number two, renew our commitment. That's our commitment to the Lord, our commitment to each other, our commitment to make a difference in this world in which we live. We are called to make a difference. Amen? We are not called just to survive. We are not called just to endure. We are called to make a difference. We don't want to get to the end of our life and say, I could have done more. We want to do everything we can. Number three, invest and invite. We need to invest in the kingdom. 
Our time, our talent, our treasure, all of those can be wasted, they can be spent, or they can be invested, and we are called to invest into the kingdom and invite people to join us in that endeavor. Number four, and this is where Zach was last week, to equip and empower. And I wasn't here, so I have no earthly idea of what he preached on last week. I'll catch it when you catch it when he comes out on the podcast. But basically there... We are called to be disciples, become disciples, and then to make disciples. And that's where it comes down to that we are, we are equipped, and then we have to empower other people. It's like uh, the sermon, that I, this little series that I preached before this about uh, the, the king and Elisha. Uh, the, Elisha's hands were on the king's hands, uh, but the king didn't seem to take any ownership of it. We've not only got to be a disciple, we've got to make disciples. That's the whole uh, thing that the Lord gives us to do in, in Matthew 28. We've got to go and make disciples. Not just make believers, but make disciples. Okay, and that brings us to networking the body of Christ. And um, essentially, this comes down to this. I think this is going to be one of the issues as... As times change, and if you've been in church world any length of time at all, you see that the times, they are a-changing. And uh, used to, church was kind of the, the, the thing that everybody did. That's where you made social connections. That's where you made business connections. That's where you, it was just the thing that we do, especially in the South. Church was just part of everyday life. And in the time that I've been involved in ministry, I've seen that change immensely. Fact is, the tides have changed in our nation to where it's not popular and is not in vogue and it's not even really politically correct for us to be who we are. Amen? The certain things that this Bible tells us that are no compromise to, it's going to become more and more difficult for us to stand on those principles and not be seen as... Uh, a hardliner in some ways because there are certain things that this book says that we are to do and not to do and if we are going to live by that and that's what jesus said you're my friends if you do what i command so ultimately as as things get harder and less popular to be a christian we're going to have to network with one another one of the things that paul says for us to do among the many and i've told you that we, we could take a uh, probably a, a year and look at everything that we are supposed to do with and for one another we're supposed to encourage one another pray for one another lift one another up prefer one another honor one another all those things that we are told to do one of the things that we are supposed to do in all that is prefer one another and that means networking the body of christ one of the things that we have to do uh kind of touch Touching back on point number one is major in the majors, not major in the minors. I think as time progresses, as times get a little tougher, as this thing begins to wind down and the, the age of, uh, that we are in ceases to exist, somewhere down the line, the, God the Father is going to tell Jesus to come and get us, take us home. And whether we are translated at that moment or whether we go by the way of the grave, up until that time, it's just going to continue to get worse and harder to be a believer. And so what we've got to do is realize that if we network together and we don't major in the minors, we can get a lot of things done. If somebody professes Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, 
And that's the only way, okay, by Christ alone, by grace alone, then, you know what, I have a connection with them. Yes, they may differ on some minute difference in how they baptize or how they do this or whether they do communion once a month, once a week, once a, once a year. We, we tend to strain at gnats on that kind of stuff. And we find reasons to separate from one another rather than reasons to bind together. And I've always been a firm believer in that. There's some things that are non-negotiable. Salvation in Christ alone is the only way it's going to happen. No man comes unto the Father except by him. Somebody ought to say amen to that one. I believe given time and opportunity, we ought to be baptized. We talk, I talked about that. If you've made that decision, you haven't followed it up with the next step, I would encourage you to do so. I think we're expected to do that. That was one of those commands that he gives us, one of those ordinances of the church. And now we do it here by immersion, okay? That, I think, best represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the reason we do it the way we do it. If you've ever wondered why we baptize by immersion. Uh, again, I've used this many, many times. There's other churches that believe in pouring. Some churches believe in sprinkling. Uh, hey, it's, it's a heart thing. It's not about the water. Amen. It is our public confession of faith, and if you have a heartfelt reason to be baptized by sprinkling, come see me. We'll talk about it. I'll explain why I believe immersion is the best representation, and then we'll go out to the water fountain, and I will splash you just completely wet. So we'll get her done. Ultimately, that's not a point of contention with me. And why do we find so many points of contention? Why do we find the finer points of Calvinism or Arminianism a point of contention? Why do we find the, 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 all the theological high church stuff that we find to separate ourselves from one another? I'm going to tell you something. If we live long, should the, should the Lord tarry and we are alive and remain until that time, between now and then, it's going to get to the point we won't care. If they are a born-again believer and have Christ as their Savior, we're going to be their friend. And we better learn to do it now. Again, the only unanswered prayer that Jesus ever prayed was in John 17. Father, I pray that my disciples would be one. The only, as far as I can determine, unanswered prayer that Jesus ever prayed in this Bible. Because we're not one. In so many different ways. And ultimately, what it, what it comes down to is whenever we're not putting that first in, in our agenda, then what we do is we duplicate things. And when I talk about networking the body of Christ, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Here, and, and you all know I'm a very missions-minded pastor. You spread the gospel where you are, you send it where you cannot go. I'm not called to be a missionary in the sense of packing everything that I've got up and moving to a foreign country. But I am called to be a pastor. And as a pastor, then my job is to support that as much as I can because how can they hear if no one preaches and how can anybody preach if they're not sent? That's what the Word tells us. And I found out through the years I'm a pretty good sender. Amen? That ought to be my job in the networking of the body of Christ. We here, we, we reach out to Russia. We reach out to Africa. We reach out to, to lots of different things. We reach out locally. 
through these things that we're talking about, that Operation Christmas Child. So why on earth, if I feel like, hey, Operation Christmas Child is a great thing and there are kids around this world that need to be celebrating Christmas and to understand why, to get a little shoebox full of stuff. So rather than join with that crowd, we'll just start our own. So we can be important. It's a lot of times what it is, self-promotion instead of Christ-promotion. So why would I want to go through all the efforts of putting together all the logistics that have to happen to send that shoebox halfway around the world? These people are already doing it. Let's get a box and fill it up and send it. Amen? We're, uh, uh, later this month, we're going to have the Hope uh, Center come and, and share with us opportunities for us to help mothers that have children that, that you know, thinking about abortion. And, and folks, I'm going to tell you something. It, that has been so accepted in this nation, and it is an abomination to God. We're killing our future. And, and I think to myself, how many people, how many people are we losing from the kingdom of God in that effort? That they're eradicating our next generation by, by the thousands every day. And, and if we can do something, one of, one of the things that, and, and I don't, they'll tell us what all the, the funds go for, that if you, uh, if you show an expectant mother who's considering an abortion, if you show her an ultrasound and you let her see that, that child, there's an 80% chance that she won't follow through with abortion. I, I, I just recently heard a story. It was in New York, and New York is a high, high, high percentage. There are some, there are some regional places in New York City that the, the abortion rate is higher than the birth rate by a long shot. And I was listening to somebody, and they were talking about that they supported this abortion clinic, you know, not an abortion clinic, a hope center, uh, anti-abortion uh, center. And they said that there was this couple that came in, and they were thinking about getting an abortion because, the, you know, not married and all that kind of stuff. And so they went in there, did an ultrasound, and it was twins. And they brought the expectant father in and showed him the ultrasound. And they said, what are you going to do? And he said, I know what we're not going to do. We're not going to kill those kids. And you know what? Why on earth would we want to start something? Uh, we, we, we can't join with anybody else. Their, their theology might differ in some minute detail. No. No. We're going to help them do what God has called them to do. And what I'm telling you, in the body of Christ, there are people through the years, I have done so many things to help other ministries do what God has called them to do rather than duplicate. You think about the resources. Every little church, by and large, every little church has a food pantry. Every little church has a clothing bank. Every little church has, you know, big and little, not just little churches. Why are we duplicating everything? Why not find somebody that you can give them what you would have put toward doing a food bank or a, or a clothing bank or, or a pregnancy care center or any of these things? Why not equip them to do what God has called them to do? Amen? 
There, uh, I think Russia is a wide open field of missions, has been now for several years. There are people that are so hungry for the gospel that, that when, when, when Bibles were a little more scarce, they would actually hand out Bibles and somebody would take one chapter and somebody would take the other chapter and somebody would take this chapter just so that everybody could read the Bible. How many of us have multiple Bibles on our shelves? Me, probably king of all. I'm, I see a Bible, and it's just one of those things that got to have it. This translation, this commentary involved in it, and all that kind of stuff. And I think, my Lord, we are rich in so many ways, and what we need to do is equip people. Uh, I, I told you years ago, I went to, a, I, I, I try to look for reasons and places and opportunities to do things like that. I went to a conference, and it was, it was one of these conferences where every seat was filled. I'm talking about there were no empty seats ever. And I go to this conference, and the first day there, big boy likes to get there early enough that I can sit on the end of an aisle because I like to stretch my legs out, and the only way I can do it is if I sit on the end of an aisle somewhere, like where Lanny is, and that's probably why he's there, <laughs> and on the front. So I, I get there early and get camp out in my end seat where I can stretch out. And the seat next to me never fills up. And so, you know, first session through, nobody comes and sits in it. So, no, that, that's not the problem. No, that's not the problem. Well, during that first break, here comes this guy. And he's just huffing and a puffing as he comes in there and sits down next to me. And he's an Asian guy. And I said, uh, your flight running late? And he said, yeah. I said, where'd you fly in from? He said, Taiwan. I thought he was like somewhere in the States, you know. So he's from Taiwan. And I, so I got to talking to him. And, of course, then the, the next session starts. I don't get to finish it. I, start, I keep talking to him in, in the next break. And it turns out that he was born in Taiwan. His parents moved to the United States shortly thereafter. So he grew up here. I actually grew up in South Carolina. So if you can imagine an Asian person kind of like Jesse, you know, and, instead of speaking with an accent at the, uh, from, from Taiwan or Korea, and he speaks with a southern accent. And so uh, basically what it was, uh, I got to talking to him, and I said, why are you there? And he said, well, my wife and I went on a short-term mission, missions trip back to my home country. And he said, while I was there, the Lord got a hold of me. And he said, I just felt like it was the only thing that I could do was go back there and give them the gospel. And he said, so I get there, and he said, uh, th there's such a shortage of Bibles that people, again, they're breaking Bibles apart and giving out chapters just so everybody can have part of it to read. And he said, he goes through this big explanation, and I'm not trying to bore you, but I, I want to tell you how this works out. And when, and back in the 50s, when the communists came in, uh, everybody in the nation of China mostly read traditional Chinese. Well, when the communist government came in and took over, they changed all that. And, and it's, it's called, um, there is a name for it, and I can't, it just left me. But anyway, it's, it's the new Chinese language, the one that the communist government approves. And he said, so anything printed in that new Chinese language, most of the rural people can't read it. And he said, so what I did was I started in the back of the church that I'm pastoring, he said, I started printing Bibles in traditional Chinese. 
And I said, so you can get them into mainland China without any problem? He said, people are so hungry for something to read. He said, as long as you don't stack your boxes three high and get up on it and start preaching, it's all good. And I said, so you're getting Bibles in a language that the people can read, printed in the back of your church, and you're getting them into mainland China? Yes. He said, my only limitation is how much money I can spend on it. And I said, tell me how to get a hold of you. Because, you know, if you've never dealt with it, you don't know this, but you can't just send a check to China and, and do any good. You've got to get it to a world bank. Well, I found a church. It was his home church where he grew up in South Carolina. And they would uh, kind of warehouse the funds and then get them to a world bank where he could access it from Taiwan. So see what I'm talking about? Networking the body of Christ to accomplish a goal that I could never accomplish. I, even if I wanted to, there's no way I could have went to Taiwan. There's no way I could have learned traditional Chinese and started printing Bibles. You see what I'm saying? We can accomplish so many things, so much can be accomplished if we'll network. The, the person that we, uh, that we support in Russia it, it kind of happenstance situation like that. Came across this guy, and, and he, as soon as the doors opened up for Russia to hear the good news, he was there. Why on earth would we want to duplicate that? Why on earth would we want to try to go in there some way ourselves? That guy's doing an awesome job, reaching thousands of people. Let's, let's help him in his endeavor of what God has called him to do. Let's network the body of Christ to help the overall scheme of things, amen? Because we may not get any credit for it here on earth, and I don't know about you, I don't care about that. But when somebody comes up to you in heaven and says, I want to thank you so very, very much for sending me the gospel. Well, I don't think I've ever met you. Probably not. But you sent the gospel. You spread it where you were and you sent it where you couldn't go to reach people for the kingdom for an eternal purpose. And so ultimately, that's, that's what it comes down to. We've got to seek out opportunities. When it comes to the local stuff, there may be more than one choice. There may be more than one thing. Let, let's try to, try to reach as much as we can, do as much as we can, uh, even locally, even in our personal lives. If you've got the opportunity, all things being equal, if you've got two people out here and one's a Christian and one's not a Christian, try to prefer the Christian. I said, try. Maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe it doesn't happen that way. But ultimately, I mean, the Lord gives us wisdom. If you've got to have brain surgery and you've got a, a, a doctor that doesn't proclaim to be a Christian who graduated top of his class and is up on everything and you've got a Christian over here that graduated the third time through, bottom of his class, use a little wisdom, just saying. <laughs> but try to prefer that Christian. Why? Because if they're doing what God told them to do, they're going to be tithing off of that, and ultimately it's going to benefit the kingdom if you use them in business. So we got to network the body of Christ. We, gotta try to, uh, we don't need to try to duplicate everything that everybody else is doing. We just need to prefer one another, and, and that helps us to become pinpointed in our focus. Because every church, even though we're all called, to be, uh, all called to be disciples and we're all called to spread the good news, if you've noticed, every little church has a different, kind of a different vibe, a little different thing. Some churches are all about the word. Some churches are all about worship. Some split the middle. 
pretty good. And ultimately what we need to do is we need to be who God called us to be. We need to be the best us that we can be. Paul says it this way, we're all in the body, but all of us are not the same members. Some of us are hands, some of us are ears, some of us are noses and eyes and mouthpieces and whatever it is. So why not try to get together and accomplish what God has called us to do as an entire body of believers. So we need to begin to network. We need to look for opportunities to do that. We need to prefer one another because once we do what we're called to do, if you look at the business world, sometimes churches are a little, a, a little bit disjointed. We try to do everything. And if we will simply listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and do what God has called us to do, then we can accomplish great things. If, if, I've used this example before, but pardon me if you've heard it, but it makes it, it, makes it crystal clear. What, if I say, John Deere, do you think about bathtubs? No, it's in green things with the big wheels. Okay, why? Because they've got one purpose. Making green and yellow implements, farm equipment, for the most part. Uh, but there's no, there's no mix-up on who John Deere is. If I say Kleenex, what do you think? Do, do you think uh, steaks? No, we think about these things right here. Did you know that these are actually facial tissues? And what do we say if we sneeze? Hand me a Kleenex. They have been so pinpointed in their focus that the item itself has become synonymous with their name. Wouldn't it be good if the church got so synonymous with the good news that whenever somebody mentioned the church, they'd say, oh, you mean the good news people. And so ultimately it comes down to this. Let's get so laser focused on what we're supposed to do that our name becomes synonymous with the gospel because if we do that guess what we're going to make a difference in our world we're, we're going to be able to change things for the good Instead of every little church and every little building and every little congregation just doing their thing and trying to duplicate what everybody else is doing, because as the old poem says, no man is an island. No church is an island. And we're not supposed to be. There, I've, I've read this thing through a couple of times, and there, there's no talk of a lone ranger of the cross. I mean, even the lone ranger had Tonto. Amen? So that was a network. We've got to see that we can't do it alone. The only way that we can do it is if we put God first. And then we'll try to prefer one another in everything we do. Hey, this church does this great over here. This outreach that they're doing is awesome. Instead of trying to copy it, let's get in on it. Let's go back up here to where we we're talking about investing in the kingdom. Let's help them do what they're called to do. Let's, let, let's find somebody that's doing what we'd like to do. They're doing it best. Let's help them. Through the years I have done that, and it has been amazing what has happened as a process of that thing. So here's the deal. We're working through this, through, working through this sermon, but networking the body of Christ. As I said and when I started, 
this is going to become paramount if the church is going to be the church. We've got to realize that there are other people working for the same end goal. Their calling's a little different. Their way of doing it's a little different. Their way of looking at it might be a little bit different. But ultimately, if we will join together, guess what? We can accomplish some great things. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we, we, we apologize to you for the, any part that we have ever had in not making the body one because that's what you pray. And Lord, we want to work toward that. We want to be a part of that. We want to see great things accomplished by the church. And so, Lord, we pray that you would not only bless us as a local congregation, but that you would bless all churches that proclaim you as Lord and Savior. Lord, that you would help us to quit looking for those th reasons to, to be opposed to one another and that you'd help us to prefer one another. That, Lord, that you would help us not to be in competition with one another, that we would not compete with one another, but that we would complete one another. And so, Lord, we thank you for working in us and through us and for us and in them and through them and for them to accomplish your perfect will. And, Lord, we, we pray that we could make a difference. As I have said so many times, I want, to see, I want to see Southeast Texas, the hardest place to go to hell from on planet Earth, simply because we are the good news people. That there's not anybody that could say, I, I didn't know or I didn't hear because we had done such a thorough, thorough job of being the good news people.